I don't know much But I know I love you And that may be all I need to know We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to my bloody podcast. Yes, we are back. We are here. We are living in shelter and quarantine times, but we're still bringing the my bloody podcast to you in your homes, in your ears, in your guts. Bloody and all. I'm Brian Kluger, and the man to my right, the man to my left, the man in front of me, and the man behind me who stalks my dreams, Preston Barta. Oh man, I miss you, and I love you. How are you doing? I love and miss you too. I'm doing quite well, maintaining sanity with Good flicks, hot tea, and candlelight dinners sponsored by HelloFresh. Well, hey now. How is the HelloFresh meals coming along? Not too bad. I get about three. Right now I get three a week. Just to, I've been trying them out, and they're fun. Uh, they, My wife's been making them. I usually do most of the cooking. But lately, I've been having to do a lot of writing, and the deadlines are right around uh, dinner time. So she's been uh, doing that because most of the day I'm I'm spending time looking after my son while she does some school stuff. Since she's a teacher and she has to send video lessons over to kids and things of that nature, have meetings. So uh, she does the cooking, and uh, they're 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 all fresh ingredients it lives up to its name so there's all the individual pieces you even have to cut up the spices and so uh yeah you put it all together sometimes it could take up to about an hour uh i I will say that like some of them uh we we do the low calorie ones so i think it's like under 600 calories um and they're like rice and like apricot flavor is this like a weekly like stuff like that is this like a weekly uh thing you pay for or do you go out to the store and get it or is it just like like it's a subscription service so yeah it's it's mailed to you um so yeah that you can pick how many meals you want a week and uh they you can you can pick the meals that you want you can look at it online or otherwise they'll send it to you whatever that they had uh, originally slated uh to come that week and uh, yeah so we do three a week and it comes in on wednesdays which is today and uh like this week it is apricot pork and uh barbecue pineapple uh, pizza or something like that. I don't know. They're they're pretty uh, out there, and I'm like 
at a point in my life where I like to try different things. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's been changing up our, uh, usual, uh, menu of the week, which gets pretty repetitive because you make the stuff that you're used to making. You said pork a little earlier, and I just thought yep. to myself, I like pork in my mouth. So now yeah. I want pork. This this Jewish man wants pork in his mouth. <laughs> Very smooth. Very yeah. smooth. A lot, lot, lot of pork-related uh, dishes. So if, uh, if that's what you're wanting in your mouth, then HelloFresh will put it right in there. Oh, good. Jam it in there hard. I like it. Everybody... My Bloody Podcast, today is April 1st, meaning it's April Fool's Day. And oh my goodness, I think Preston and I have been waiting since before episode one for a recording sesh to happen on April Fool's Day, so we can talk about our main feature later on in the show, which is, of course, the 1986 film April Fool's Day. Oh my goodness. You know what? I mean, I'm excited to talk about this. At some point, I remember talking with Press, like, and, and s- talking to him and saying something to the tune of maybe if we do an April Fool's Day episode and we talk about something like You've Got Mail or Sleepless in Seattle <laughs> for my bloody podcast, maybe yeah, down as the if line. It was a we'll, horror movie. Right. And maybe down the line, we'll surprise people with that. But today, we're just too excited. To talk so, about so right now we're, we're we're holding up the Men in Black uh, flash, so uh, or I guess it would be to your ears. So we'll send through like a sonic wave to erase everything, so you don't remember it next year. Right, right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like I liked your sound effect there. <laughs> yeah, look directly here. So we're gonna we're, we have a few fun segments today, our usual stuff, uh, and we'll get to April Fool's Day a little bit later. But first, let's talk about uh, a little bit of news. There's really no news in the entertainment industry other than mostly being things movies and television shows put on hiatus and or canceled but there's a few things that have happened that are coming out in the future that we could look forward to as horror fans one of them being which i'm pretty excited about this and it kind of goes well with our quarantine times now you know take shelter and stay inside don't go outdoors but Friday the 13th has been officially licensed from the OP Games, the Op Games, to be a new board game called Horror at Camp Crystal Lake. Friday the 13th, officially licensed board game. I'm super excited. Yes, yes. This uh, anxiety-driven, press-your-luck horror game uh, has players take on the roles of, you know, the camp counselors, you know, the cliche, you know, jock, nerd, hot girl, all that kind of stuff. And you're going to be trying to survive and strategize your escape and survival from Jason Voorhees. I'm so excited. I really want to play this right now. Is there any way we can get a promo copy to us? Um, The game includes six player boards, a cabin board, supply cards, all sorts of stuff to play. It looks really fun. It looks really cool for you horror fans. The artwork looks incredible. I'm excited. I think it is coming out this summer. Hopefully, they'll be able to ship them, and hopefully, even we'll be able to 
get out by then and purchase them in person. But I'm very excited about this. Preston, I know you're a fan of Friday the 13th. What do you think about this? Are we going to play this together and drink heavily? I hope so. I I enjoy uh, horror movie-related or horror-themed video – or not video games, board games. Uh, I like to play the a Jaws one that I got from Target, and apparently there's a Shining one there now. Hey, uh, now. I'd like to check that one out. I saw uh, Ryan Turek, who's a producer at Blumhouse and does a podcast called Shockwaves. He posted about having the the shining one and said it was a lot of fun. So I'm I'm curious about that one. So the Friday Thirteenth one sounds good too. No, I yeah, that this sounds groovy to me. I would I would hope or would wish that they like it would come with like a video or like a little music box or sound or something like that to get the sound yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess uh, that's what Mondo's for, huh? Right, right. Just put your soundtrack on. Put your on. vinyl on. Yes. Yep. Put your record on and get into character for real. That would be, I mean, I feel like this is kind of like almost a D&D type of thing, a Dungeons and Dragons type yeah. of game where you could actually fully get into character and to each of these players you uh, assume the role of. And that just sounds like fun to me. So, so yeah, that's a kind of... That's kind of the big or at least fun news uh, that's come out as of recently. Uh, you know, of course, again, a lot of the a lot of the movies and televisions are just being canceled or postponed till further notice. But I will say we'll have to bring up this fun news for horror fans. You know, places like Shudder and Sci-Fi, HBO, a bunch of the streaming services are offering free months to free two months of service while in these difficult virus-like times. Uh, and even Sci-Fi will air an all-day Sharknado franchise marathon on April 5th. So there's like a lot of cool things like this happening in the streaming world while we're all stuck at home. Preston, do you... Do you enjoy this? Are you happy this is going on? What do you think? Oh, yeah. Of course I'm happy that this is going on. A lot of these, uh, as we've noted on this podcast before, there are so many streaming services out there. And people are launching, uh, or maybe it's kind of screeched to a halt lately, but they're still coming like Peacock for NBC and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, uh, there's been ones that we've brought up on this podcast before that were like, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see, or maybe the library's not where it needs to be. Now's the time to check them out. So if, cause we have a lot of time on our hands and we can catch it, things that we haven't seen before and then see if it's, uh, which ones are worth keeping, keeping around. Cause you may be like, oh, well, I kind of like this one more. I don't really need Hulu anymore. Um, so yeah, there, there's that. Uh, it's beneficial in that way. I agree. It is beneficial. I've been liking that some of these streaming companies have been doing that, and hopefully they uh, they continue to do so if it lasts longer. Um, that brings up a point I have to mention just on the news wires a little bit ago. Adult Swim has a new animated TV show coming out. You know, Adult Swim, who brings you all the great weird, bizarre, crazy, chaotic cartoons for adults. Adult Swim's newest animated show is called 
uh, it's called J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales, and it is sounds amazing. There's a trailer out for it right now. If you type in if you type in Adult Swim Fairy Tales, you'll probably find it. It is a new and twisted take on the classic Brothers Grimm fairy tales, and it will premiere very soon on May 10th. It's a Sunday night at midnight, 12:15 a.m. And it's a 15-minute show, and each episode is going to feature stuff like Cinderella and Snow White. And they're kind of like original stories, but they have like this sadistic, gory, horror-like way about them now. And it's going to be gross and weird. But they have acquired a ton of crazy voice talent, including Linda Blair from The Exorcist, Warwick Davis from Leprechaun... Robert England as Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street, Corey Feldman from The Lost Boys, and even Jennifer Tilly from Bride of Chucky, amongst other people providing voices for this crazy show, which looks fun as hell. So if you're into horror and fairy tales and want to hear some of your favorite horror talent lend a hand and a voice to these popular fairy tale classics, Take a look at J.J. Villard's fairy tales. Preston, I know... Well, I don't know if you're as excited about this as I am. I don't know if you watch a ton of like animated shows like this on Adult Swim, do you? I sure don't, but that description alone has me pretty curious. That's a good cast, and that's a cool uh, uh, sandbox to play in, I guess. No, I think that would be super fun to have like all these like Disney or Brothers Grimm fairy tales, but... Adult Swim it up because like Adult Swim is pretty uh pretty crazy. If you've ever seen some of their late night 15 minute shorts, uh they get pretty graphic like R-rated style and it's beyond beyond bizarre and weird. <laughs> what's what's that one? I want to say John C. Riley did his voice for it and he played like a chicken or something. Oh, was that that wasn't a Tim and Eric thing, was it? Tim and Eric Awesome Show? Um, I don't I don't remember. I when I was doing like FX coverage way back in the day, I remember that was like some of the things that they would promote in between uh ser- new series and uh series that are still going on. And I just remember I, I did a uh an interview uh or it was like a conference call. Uh you were you were on with a a few other journalists and you you got the opportunity to speak with John C. Riley, and we were talking about the show, but I cannot remember what it was called. I just remember vaguely that it may have had a chicken in it. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it, what it was because I, I was an early adopter of, was this the one where uh, he had like big hair or something like that? Like real big puffy hair? No, it wasn't that thing, I don't think. I know he did that, but it was it was an actual animated show. Chicken. Was it Bag Boy? John T. Uh, Riley. Yeah, I'm tr- we're, we're trying to figure this out. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I know he John C. Riley does a lot of stuff with Adult Swim, but I don't I don't remember what it was. But either way, yeah, somebody out there's It was this. Uh it was like I want to say it was part of like animation domination or something. I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, it's a, 
it's it's Adult Swim does really good stuff, and with this new series that's going to air after midnight, you can just expect it to be insane. And with this horror cast and making fun or parodying, parodying, is that right? Parodying. Parodying. Yeah. Yes, uh, these classic tales. I'm all in. So a little bit of good news here and there, I think. Won't well, don't you say? Yeah. Um, so in other, other little news tidbits, we just kind of want to talk to you about like what we're kind of watching right now. Is there any horror goodness you're kind of diving into again or just out of the ordinary? Just, oh, this, this horror movie looks good. I haven't seen this. What is this? I watched it. It's good. It's bad. What, what did you, what have you watched? There's been a few horror things that I've watched, but there's one that I wanted to mention, and I guess it kind of ties back to news. Um, one of my favorite all-time movies that's not horror-related is uh, Rad. Came out also came out in 1986, <laughs> like her main feature. But um, I was a BMX kid, uh, sports kid. I, I did skateboards and mostly uh, BMX stuff. Uh, I lived my parents live on out in the country in between like a real hick town and, uh, uh, kind of like a mini Austin of sorts, Austin, Texas, that is. And, uh, my dad did, uh, he, he used to ride dirt bikes. And so I, I was just kind of brought into that whole sports kind of world. And, uh, so I do a lot of trick riding and, uh, pop wheelies and spin your handlebars and do jumps and things like that. Nothing too crazy, but I just have a little bit of fun with it. Got a lot, got hurt a lot. Um, but one of my favorite movies growing up was rad. Um, it was, it was a movie that one of my cousin's friends introduced to me. He had it on VHS and then he gave it to me. And so I still have my V my, my kid copy of the film and uh, have since got it on DVD, which I found out later was a bootleg copy, even though I bought it at Waterloo Records. But uh, the good news is um, it is hitting 4K uh, through Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, the movie was originally supposed to screen in 4K this year at South by Southwest. However, uh, yeah, the coronavirus uh, kept that from happening. So... It was good that it, we didn't have to wait too long, at least the fans that were out there that were eager to go catch this at South By, um, that it's going to be hitting 4K uh, through Vinegar Syndrome, and it's going to be coming out in May. Um, but you can pre-order it now, and I did that uh, through VinegarSyndrome.com. It's about 30 bucks right now. It's got a real cool cover, which is which uh, captures the original poster design. Uh, it kind of looks like... Uh, you're watching a guy do a jump and, but you're looking at it through the lens of predator. <laughs> so it kind of has like this warped, uh, colorized, uh, look to it. And it's supposed and, uh, the, the cover itself is lenticular in 3d, I guess. Um, but it's a really, uh, cool movie lives up to its name. It's very, it's like the most eighties movie ever. Uh, I showed it to my wife for the first time the other night uh, because uh, I talk about it a lot. I watch it in some mornings and she hasn't been able to uh, catch it with me. And so I was like, it's time. You got to watch this with me. 
And so she did, and uh, man, she was taking like Instagram videos of us watching it, and she's like, "What the hell are you making me watch?" Because they'll have like a like these kids like live in a different world entirely. <clears throat> they don't they don't they don't really behave or act like real human beings. Um, they that there's like a dance sequence with bicycles. There's like a bicycle ballet sequence. And it has uh, Laura Laughlin in it, who uh, I guess is in jail or going to jail. Um, <clears throat> but it's uh, it's just like a, your standard kind of sports movie where there's a local event going on. In this case, it's a BMX race, uh, a bike race uh, called Hell Track. And so they got people coming out of town that are doing it. And so he's like the local kid, this main guy played by Bill Allen. Um, who is a paper boy, but he uh, likes to go around town uh, doing, tur- turning everything into his, his own backyard, essentially, just doing, turning everything into jumps and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie. So I'm glad that Vinegar Syndrome is putting it out there for uh, more people to see. And so as far as I know, there's, uh, when they run out of this, particular product through vinegar syndrome that's it um so i guess it'll, it'll just have to move on to somebody else um but for now uh this is a a, a rad movie to pick up aha look at yeah. you <laughs> yeah preston barta the bmx kid <clears throat> yep there yeah it was go. it was this and like gleam in the cube <laughs> all right <laughs> Well, all right then. I've I've been watching I've been watching quite a bit of stuff, as imagine you are. Uh, horror wise, I recently just I saw it on my queue and I said, okay, fuck it, I'll watch it. Twenty eight days later, haven't revisited that one for a while, and just remember and am reminded just how perfect Danny Boyle is in making this movie and just everything aesthetic, stylized about the film is and how tense and violent and fun this film is and scary as hell. If this kind of thing happened, I really enjoyed it. Even though 28 days later has been parodied and made fun of for sure about a deadly monkey virus type of thing. I still really enjoy it. And then other horror films that I've been diving into not fully not like watching the whole thing but watching clips of uh I'm writing a uh, or I wrote a screen rant article that will be posted hopefully within the next day or two the 10 best horror movies in the Criterion collection so it's given me a little chance to pop in some fun horror criterions, horror films in the Criterion Collection, and just kind of check out some fun scenes here and there. So I'm excited to debut that very soon and revisit some of these Criterion Collections of the horror variety. So that was always fun to do. So that, yeah, in horror ways, that's what I'm doing. There's, you know, of course, a couple of new ones that are being sent to us professional film critics that you know some are good some are bad but yeah i'm enjoying it for the most part preston you are too yes 
Yeah, um, there's there is a couple of Scream Factory collector's editions that I uh, had sent to me before. A lot of these companies have uh, stopped mailing stuff out. Um, a lot of them are just doing digital releases. So I was able to uh, watch. I actually got this quite a while back, and I just now am able to have time to catch up on it. And um, that's the Universal Horror Collection Volume 4. I've been doing, uh, I've done, I've reviewed uh, one through three, uh, I guess now four. And uh, this one, um, <clears throat> I, I should say, this is, uh, these collections are not like uh, Dracula, Bride and, Frankenstein, uh, Bride and Frankenstein, The Mummy, that sort of thing. These are, has those actors in them, like Boris Karloff. <coughs> And, um, uh, who else, uh, like Rondo, uh, Hatton and, um, Bella Lugosi, people like that. Uh, And they'll be in these, uh, more obscure, probably titles that you've never heard of, but they're pretty exceptional or a lot of them can be. Um, but this particular, uh, volume hasn't been one of my, it's one of my least favorites, um, this one had 1937's Night Key, 1942's Night Monster, 1944's The Climax, not Climax, The Climax, in 1946's House of Horrors. Um, a lot of them are, uh, they're all, they're, they're in black and white except for one of them. No, no, all in black and white. I'm confusing it with the other one. Um, <clears throat> but they're, they're, they're fun. Uh, my favorite of that particular bunch was the night monster. Um, it's kind of like a mystery film, uh, not too far off from our main feature. Um, it has uh, Bell Lugosi in it and, uh, well, he plays like a little small part. He's like the, the servant of this house, but, uh, it's about this, uh, man who's, um, deformed no well not deformed he, he he's missing some limbs there he, he's suffered some some tragic uh circumstances in the past and uh he may or may not be getting revenge or maybe it's a ghostly monster um who knows uh i guess he will if you see the movie but uh they're, they're fun they're short they're like 70 minutes a piece or so and um but it's cool they're they come with uh like film historian commentaries where you can get Cause I, I imagine there's people out here that, that probably don't have the attention span. My wife certainly doesn't to watch a black and white movie uh, from back in the day where it can be relatively slow, but I like to watch these movies and like, imagine like this is the only source of entertainment that I had. And I, I tend to make fun out of it. And I, I like, uh, history and horror icons. And so I just like to learn about these people and, uh, turn on the film historian, uh, commentary track and various extras. Uh, another one that I watched was, uh, Munster go home from 1966. Um, I grew up watching the Munsters and the Adams family. Um, I tend to watch a lot of, uh, black and white sitcom TV shows, um, more than I did, uh, Saturday morning cartoon types. Um, it, it usually was on when I was going to bed and I only had the basic channels back in the day in my room. So I spent a lot of time watching shows like this. Um, 
but the this was the first film uh, version or continuation of those characters. Um, it was put in color. It was colorized, um, which is a little weird because um, you could. There's so many things that you can do and uh, leaves more room to the imagination when you can watch stuff in black and white. Uh, I suppose that's why people like uh, George. Uh, uh, damn it! Why am I spacing on his name right now? Guy who did Mad Max, George Miller. Jeez, um, he did like a black and chrome version of Mad Max Fury Road because it's just kind of fun to imagine like what 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 is what kind of colors are there? What's filling in those spaces? Um, so when you watch something like uh, the monsters in color, um, it feels like you're watching something in the '60s, and sometimes it, it loses a bit of its charm, even though the the characters are still great. Like the Frankenstein-like father uh, Herman, played by the great uh, Fred Gwynn, and um, my my favorite, the the scene stealing uh, vampiric grandpa, played by Al Lewis. Um, so it's enjoyable. Uh, what, what's also cool about this particular scream factory release is it also comes with the 1980s uh i think it came out like early 80s uh the monster's revenge uh it was it was a tv movie and it has new kid actors but it still has um the some of the the main cast members like the ones i've already mentioned um back in their roles but they look a little older but their kids are like supposed to be the same age but they're played by different actors and they're not that great um so but there there's that uh if you really love the monsters you have uh more material at your hands um so and i've also been watching buffy i'm currently uh i mean i love that show i i i own it on dvd and i have the entire collection but it's on hulu so my wife and i have been watching it trying to find something a little outside the office realm uh to just binge watch again and uh, so we've been watching that currently uh past where angel is uh, a bad guy again um and then the last one I'll mention is uh, the 2001 film Bones with Snoop Dogg. I watched that. Uh, I, I, watched <laughs> I remember it. that one. Uh, I, I, I remember like liking it when it <clears throat> first came out because I was uh, 11 then. Um, so any kind of like extreme horror like that where it's like heavily stylized and uh, it just felt like, oh, I shouldn't be watching this. Uh, like all of those types of movies were good to me, but when you go back and watch it, like this movie feels like it's directed by two different people at different time, different stages in their career. Like part of it feels really cool and is like this story of Snoop Dogg being this uh, leader of a community and of a neighborhood, and he's like this pimped out guy and he just like checks in on people, but uh, people around him want to get involved in drugs where where all the money is which has the potential to turn the neighborhood to shit and that's exactly what happens when uh people uh, murder him and he eventually haunts the neighborhood uh later on um so it it has a lot of borrowed elements from different horror films um but it just felt to me like two different movies where i was really into stuff that 
wasn't even really horror related uh, from the past. It just was like a crime film. And then everything that was horror related uh, was really bad. It was just like uh, all the worst parts of like 13 Ghosts, uh, the remake from the 2000s. And it has like this flashy kind of look to it. And the kids from the modern day are stupid and don't don't seem like they go together. Um, they do things that don't quite make sense. And so, uh, th- just though that back and forth, uh, pissed me off a bit. Um, so I do not recommend that one, but it's got some fun special features in it with, uh, the director talking about Snoop Dogg getting high all the time. That's like how he opens his interview is talking about, yeah, I had to tell Snoop Dogg to, uh, put away, uh, the drugs for one scene in particular that involved fire, but it never uh, kept him from doing his job. So Snoop was just a fun guy to uh, roll a fatty up with and uh, make movies with, I guess. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he is why everybody wants to work with him. Fun dude. He's doing it. All right. So that's what we're watching. That's what we want to recommend. That's what we're doing. If you can find all these movies streaming, do it. If you want to buy them, please do so cautiously and uh, support these companies because we want them to keep making all these horror films, right? Right, right. Before we move on, is that going to be our actual recommendation or are we actually doing another one? Oh, I mean, I can we I can do my recommendation right now. That's fine with me. All right, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if we were if that counted as our recommendation or if we were doing our own little special section for no, it. No, no, my recommendation. Uh, sure. is, so this movie came out in 1982. It's a slasher film directed by Joe Gioni. And it stars Galen Ross. If I don't know if you know who that is, but yeah, she was in Dawn of the Dead. Uh, but the movie is called Madman. Yes, it is Madman. Do you remember this uh, this movie at all? It's kind of got no, got the sh- the silhouette of a guy with a giant axe and scraggly hair. But either way, the plot focuses on this. This serial killer, murderer, axe-wielding dude named Madman Mars, who uh, is kind of summoned by a group of campers during a campfire tale. And so he's kind of like this supernatural type of person who comes and just kind of kills all these campers and counselors and everything throughout the movie. And it's it's a ridiculous film. Yes, it is. But hell, it is if it's not fun and gory. And one of the most fun slasher films ever made... I uh, am a fan of this. And yes, there's a cult following to this movie. It's a, I highly recommend it. Uh, Madman, please find this if you can. Uh, the last time I owned this was when I was in college. They released it uh, on Anchor Bay Entertainment. Uh, rest their souls <laughs> in 2002 it was released on dvd and that's uh that was my last copy i ever got of it however 
press and mention this before, Vinegar Syndrome released it on Blu-ray for the first time in a 4K restoration in 2015. So if you can uh, if you can find this through Vinegar Syndrome, please get this. It is super fun and, ridic- and ridiculous. Yes, everything's predictable about it. You've seen this movie a hundred times. However, it's the the way it's made the gore and everything i think you'll just really enjoy madman mars and it's unfortunate that they've never remade this movie because i feel like they would make a pretty cool remake uh of this either set in modern times or even back in the 80s when this took place so please seek out the movie madman so yes yes check this out Cool, cool. All right, all right. Uh, and then on to we're gonna we're gonna talk about our question of the week, our question, our, our bloody question. Hang hang on one sec. Do you mind if I add one more, which was going to be my oh, bloody recommendation? Yes, yes, yes. Sorry about that. Before we get to our bloody recommendation, Preston, Preston's got. Brian's is really eager to shut this down. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm shutting it all down. No, 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 not at all. I'm I really want you. I, w- I want this bloody recommendation for you because I have no idea what way you're gonna go for it. Because with April Fool's Day, I kind of chose Mad Men, kind of kind of like the camping young adult slasher thing. So, but usually your bloody recommendations uh, don't usually coincide. So I'm always captivated on what you're going to choose for me. Yeah, um, this week um, it's uh, it's coming out. It's not quite out yet um, as the day that we are recording this, but it comes out April third on Hulu, and that is Into the Dark's Puka Lives. Um, if you haven't watched uh, Into the Dark, we, we brought it up maybe a few times. I, I know I brought it up back in February when I talked to one of the fil- the one of the filmmakers uh, that did one of the episodes. Um, but uh, if you don't know what Into the Dark is, uh, Blumhouse and Hulu uh, formed a partnership back in 2018, and they put out uh, movies each month that are tied to some that that month's holiday or some sort of uh, celebratory event of some sort. Um, so we we've mentioned that a lot of horror films, some of the great horror films, are tied to holidays in some sense. Uh, given the one that we're talking about this week, and the one uh, that I'm talking about today, Puka Lives, which is a sequel to Puka that came out. It was like probably the third episode that they did back in December of 2018, and that film was directed by Nacho Vigilando, and. Uh, that, that movie had to deal with a, uh, a mascot of a product company who in, anytime he put on this, uh, fuzzy outfit, which was a, a toy, it's meant to promote toys, but he would just wear the outfit to promote that particular toy. But when he put on the outfit, he had like a Jacqueline Hyde kind of, thing going on where uh it's like the mask from jim carrey can't quite control what he does so there there was that to it uh this particular sequel um bring homes a little more in on um a lot of uh issues that are going on today in the, the internet age but uh this one um deals with a group of friends uh 30 something year olds who 
get together one night and uh, they create this uh, challenge, kind of like the in the film they make fun of uh, like that the ice bucket challenge, uh, which is not maybe I shouldn't say make fun of, but they use uh, that type of marketing or promotion to uh, get something going. <clears throat> to a grand degree and so they create the puka challenge which um, now we've learned what the origin of this particular toy is like who's the madman or mad person behind uh the creation of this toy and think of the toy as kind of like a chucky um he he looks it's like this it's a bunny so feeds into easter uh we're in april um but it's it has big red eyes and it has the ability to repeat things that you say. Um, so it's fun for the kids. However, there's a, a sinister or kind of bloody uh, mess that's tied to its history, which is the person who created it had some uh, mental health issues and she killed her husband and uh, set herself on fire. <clears throat> and so somebody one of these uh one of these friends starts uh this challenge on the internet based off of that history which is people need to eat ash like a pile of ash put on this mask of the toy and say this particular chant kind of like candy man and uh it will appear or it will come to kill you Um, So they create this and uh, it manifests uh, or conjures up various different versions of this particular puka thing. And uh, and it it evolves based on what people say on the Internet. So if people in Germany say, hey, it's got these shorts or it has this particular look, it evolves. So it just like constantly keeps things fresh when it's not. Uh, you know, the same thing, killing people over and over and getting repetitive. So that keeps it fun. Um, so it's, it's really enjoyable. There's, uh, some inventive kills here and there, but mostly I was pulled into it because of the characters and because of the commentary it would have on things going on in the world, like cyberbullying or how, um, if you say something about somebody, uh, it can ruin their lives, and it, the list goes on and on. There's a lot to dig at uh, with here, but bottom line, it's a fun uh, movie that has a really sharp script. Um, and, uh, so I had a good time with it, so that's the sequel, uh, Puka Lives, and it's going to be on Hulu through the Into the Dark horror anthology series. Nice. Well done. Well played. I've never seen any of those, so I have to dive into that. We yeah, see so, it advertised. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a bit hit or miss. Uh, an ongoing problem that I've had when watching them is that, you know, you'll watch a good one, but <clears throat> uh, then there'll be a really bad one or one that uh, it wears out its welcome too fast. Like it should have been an hour long versus 85 minutes. And so the idea is that each one is a feature length uh, film um, and it's given opportunities to a a lot of different voices to create films and uh, catapult themselves into having great careers, which a lot of them have gone on to do some really cool stuff. So, uh, yeah, um, I I would say, like, look some up, uh, some different rankings and things like that, and 
Um, there was one last year that was really great around 4th of July. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. If you look in the right places, you'll, you'll know which ones are worth a damn. And if you really get into it, you may just check all of them out. Cool. Cool. Bloody recommendations on this episode of my bloody podcast moving on to bloody question. Preston had a hell of a fun question today. Preston, enlighten us. Yeah, so today, since we're uh, celebrating April Fool's Day, just thought, like, what sort of April Fool's Day stunt would you do on a horror villain of some sort? Uh, and you, you did it successfully. Like, what would it be? Right. So we brought the question to Reddit, and I worded it as, if you could pull an April Fool's joke on a horror movie character, who would it be and what would the prank be? So basically, yes, pull an April, an epic April Fool's prank on any horror movie character or monster. Who would it be and what would that prank be? Preston, please tell me. I'm very curious on the types of pranks you would pull because I've known Preston for a while and I just I, – I don't – I want him to pull a prank. I feel – I don't know. <laughs> to pull a prank on somebody, even if it's me. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, the prank that I would – uh, pull on a horror character would be Jason uh, Friday the 13th and uh, what I would do is uh, I guess assuming that it's a self-aware kind of universe maybe in the Jason lives kind of area um, I would put on a porno involving Jason and his mom <laughs> And he would bust into this house. Oh, I thought you were uh, going somewhere else this with porno, that. <laughs> and then he sees his mom sucking another Jason's dick. Oh, one of the other franchises' dicks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he would just be so confused. I don't know what he would do. Um, so uh, I would. I'd wonder what that scenario would be like. I don't know if he would like act like Friday the uh, or Jason X when he kills those uh, video game dudes up in space when he that that was a bit of like a april fool's day kind of joke where he thinks that he's killing these people and then he figures out that it's virtual reality um so i <laughs> so i wonder how that would play out so that would be my dark uh uh situation to pit on uh, or put on uh, jason okay folks so let me set the stage here for preston's comment here so where I thought Preston was going was one direction, and he went completely a different direction. So I figured that Preston, when he said Friday the 13th, my mind just started wandering, wandering, thinking like, oh my goodness, he's going to dress up just like his mother. And then when Jason kind of like, oh, my mother's here, Preston's going to turn around like, no, but no, Preston went very pornographic with it. I'm very excited about this because that means part of me has washed over into the... Yeah, I, it was definitely very inspired by you thinking about what you would do. And that just seems like something exactly what you would, you would be directing. You would be in the porno probably. I don't know. Yes, I would. <laughs> I'm very excited about this. 
ish. But I was saying that I said, I said, Preston, you have this great idea. Screw this podcast. Let's make this movie that you have this idea for. It's a wonderful <laughs> idea. We can direct, star, produce, and write it. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, my our wives would allow that to happen, and would we want to? Uh, yes, and yes. What? <laughs> Let's do this. You, you, I guess you have some relationship with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> right, I do. Okay, so do, would you like to hear mine? Yes, please. All right, so I came up with two of them. Um, so I'll go with my first one and it's real simple, but it's also horrific. I would place whoopee cushions under the entire family in a quiet place. (laughs) 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 And then we all die just for the joke. (laughs) That's, that just seems like a, uh, like a side moment in family guy, you know, when he does, uh, like, the Holocaust with Anne Frank and he's eating chips. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, that's good. I just thought that I just thought I was like looking at my collection. I was like, Oh, what if like you try to play a prank? You put a whoopee cushion under like Jim from the office. <laughs> it just, he just gives you the look of like, Oh no. And then just everybody dies. And like right before you die, you just say like worth it. <laughs> Uh, oh man that's funny all right my other one was more ridiculous i think but i would secretly replace freddy krueger's finger knife glove with a glove that has harmless disco lights on each fingertip and you could just yell dance party so he just has like a little glowing hand that he could surprise you didn't give him like the edward's penis hands glove or something god well i wasn't thinking pornographic oh man what happened to me (laughs) all right so let's move on to the reddit comments there's a few fun ones (laughs) so i will uh, i will i will say uh they they did a good, good job here so phantoms McCorvey, that's what I guess, Phantoms McCorvey, uh, said, I would hide Leatherface's chainsaw and or fuel. So, not bad. <laughs> Hill138 said, while Ash from Evil Dead and Army of Darkness is sleeping, I would paint up his good hand to look evil. When he lops it off with the chainsaw, jump out and yell, April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty fucking funny. Uh, this all, Hill138 also had another one sa- saying that he would fill a real doll with shaving cream and wire a small remote detonation. Right as Jason Voorhe- Voorhees goes in for the kill, I would detonate it. Nothing funnier than Jason covered in shaving cream. So there you go. Uh, Harden's weak chin said, I would spike the mushroom tea in Midsommar with laxative right before the sacrifices. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty great as well. And then Polcat said, I'd tap Michael Myers on the right shoulder when I was standing on his left side. So not too bad the i think the laxative one's pretty good and the ash one is pretty good too Mm -hmm. 
So, yes, I like that. Please let us know if you have an April Fool's joke for us or a horror movie character. You can email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. But now on to the main event of the day, on to our main feature presentation, April Fool's Day 1986. Oh my goodness, I remember watching this movie for the first time when I was little and being blown away by how much fun it was. The director of this movie is Fred Walton. He directed movies such as When a Stranger Calls, the TV show Miami Vice, and uh, The Stepford Husbands for TV film in 1996, but also he did this wonderful film, April Fool's Day, which was produced by Frank Mancuso Jr., who uh, has done a few things, such as Friday the 13th Part 2, Friday the 13th Part 3, basically tons of Friday the 13th movies, as well as Species, Cool World, uh, you get the picture. So, this movie, what can we say about it? First off, we just have to get a very brief, brief thought about this movie, because I saw this movie long, long ago, as I imagine Preston did, and we both revisited it very recently, uh, with the amazing uh, Scream Factory release that was just released a couple months ago of the movie on Blu-ray. But, in my opinion... In my opinion, this film is still holds up as cheeky fun. Like, it's good, it's fun to watch, it's short, and the twist ending just probably had M. Night Shyamalan cream in his pants. I just like it. I still like it to this day. Preston, do you still like this movie? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun ride even for today. And like my wife hadn't seen it before, and I, I showed her the Scream Factory edition, and we had a good time with it. Um, after all these years, it still holds up quite well, just because the characters are great and the situations are are fun, and uh, it's just the way that it plays you for a fool. Living up to the title is uh, it just makes it like a a fun kind of knives out kind of mystery clue game of clue. Um, so it's enjoyable. Hell of, hell of a good time. It is. It is. It's 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 a lot of fun. So basically, a, a brief, a short synopsis of the film kind of follows a group of college students who are vacationing for spring break right before April Fool's Day on a uh, an island estate, and uh, they're having a good time and coming up. To April Fool's Day in the movie, uh, there's a lot of uh, gags and jokes and pranks played on everybody, such as like whoopee cushions or exploding cigars or something like that. But as the uh, time goes on, people are getting drunk and having sex and all of this stuff, and it just... People turn up dead. People go missing. People turn up dead in gross, horrific ways. And that's kind of how it is. And like Preston said, it's kind of like Clue. It's like a whodunit kind of murder mystery of this serial slasher killer. So that's kind of the gist of the film. I know you've seen it all before. We talked about it recently. Uh, Slumber Party Massacre, where people are at a gathering and one by one they're picked off by somebody. So that's kind of the deal here. So I think what makes this... 
uh, stand out or whatnot? What do you think makes this stand out, Preston? What do you What do you think? Well, it, it involves getting into spoilers, so uh, you you got a taste of what we think about it if you haven't seen it before. But uh, moving on, I think it's just the way that it just like I said earlier plays you for a fool. Like the entire time, you think, "Oh, um, I know how this is going to go." Um, I like one of these people is going to be the killer, one of these uh, kids. And, um, but what makes it stand out during that time when you're trying to kind of figure everything out is that, uh, uh, like for instance, the movie opens with like kind of like a, uh, like a back room casting session where they're, everything's just pornographic today. Um, they have a video camera and then each one of them are kind of giving the audience a bit of a taste of like who they are and their, their sense of humor. And they just have this kind of ongoing humor all throughout, like especially, uh, what's the, uh, what's his, uh, Thomas F. Wilson. Yeah. Biff plays from, Arch in this played yeah. Biff and Fred, uh, or back, back to the future. future. Um, like he has this whole thing where he's like, kind of almost giving a tour of the the mansion itself and just like oh my god like this is great and blah 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 and his name Um, is arch cummings (laughs) yeah (laughs) everybody has like pornographed like porn names like uh yeah but yeah muffy (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah it's fun um but yeah uh the i guess uh just just kind of like what the director did this particular director, uh, director Fred Walton, who did um, When a Stranger Calls, like that movie, you think that you're watching a, a certain type of movie and you know how things are going to go, but uh, it just in, anytime it anytime you think it's going to zig, it zags. Um, so uh, that 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 same kind of style of storytelling carries over to this, where you're you think you got it all figured out, but then by the end of the movie, you're like, oh shit, like uh, this was an entire murder mystery type of situation that one friend was putting on making think making two individuals think that uh everybody in their party was killed um and what's unique about it throughout the movie is that you don't get to see people actually get killed um outside of uh one stunt early on um where a guy after two of them are pranking each other or pranking the rest of the party, uh, it looks like a arch stabs this one guy and then he falls into the water and two people go and chase after him while they're on a boat to get to the island. And so that kind of sets the tone for the film that he wasn't actually stabbed. And so these pranks get more elaborate as they go on. And uh, But during that time, quickly, not too long after that, somebody who's still out in the water gets smashed to uh the the dock and uh messes up his eye like his eyes out and so that's about as like violent as the movie gets uh and then as in the face as any scene of violence gets um everything else is off screen and uh, you just kind of hear things or uh, you see the aftermath you see the dead body um so that it may take away from some of the tension um, a little bit, but uh, I, I feel like it makes it a more creative movie to kind of leave more room for the imagination there. Um, 
And then by the time you get to the very end where you see everybody alive sitting in this one room laughing at the last person alive or last two people alive um, is uh, you're, you're like, holy shit. Like I had no idea like a movie could really do this and kind of play with horror themes the way that it does. Cause all throughout it's making all these comments about um, different stereotypes. Like even some of them, they, they take on these ter- uh, stereotypes in like a cabin in the woods kind of way, the way that cabin in the woods by the end of the movie, it's like poking with like, Oh, this is the whore. And this is the virgin. This is the jock. This is the stupid stoner guy. Um, so it plays with those very similarly to cabin in the woods and the same way that cabin in the woods plays with your mind and then ultimately reveals like a bigger thing going on, uh, makes it uh, a very exciting feature overall. No, I agree. It is. And, you know, I, and I, I don't know why I said that uh, it came out a few months ago. I meant like a few days ago. The Scream Factory released this only a few days ago, not a few months ago. And I think revisiting it is just it's yes, there's when all the bodies are laid out. But then you see kind of at the end, as Preston described, everybody's okay and laughing and they explain everything in detail i think that just like really threw everybody for a loop and then even the final like 30 seconds of the movie they're even trying to still get you with a last jump scare and little laugh bit right like they're still doing that yeah yeah it ends with uh Muffy sitting at her bedside and being like taking in the entire situation being like, yes, I successfully pulled this off. This can be a successful business that she wants to do because that's the whole idea. She's, she wants, she's getting this estate, but she wants to turn it into like a murder mystery type of hotel where people who come there will get, be part of a, a very elaborate lifelike murder mystery and, um, which, uh, I, I just don't see that running successfully. Uh, I mean, there's a, quite a few close calls in here where like shit could really go south. And, uh, if somebody gets fired up just enough to think that they're in a real life situation where somebody's trying to murder them, they just might murder that person that's trying to kill them. So, um, would have been interesting to see like if, uh, the sequel would have been, uh, uh, it didn't quite pan out because it actually turned into a murder uh, type of situation. Or people would find out about it anyway, but that's a whole sidebar thing. But, um, yeah, uh, she, Muffy gets uh, knifed in the throat, gets her throat sliced by one of the other, one of the other guests uh, that, were, that was staying with her. And so uh, she thinks that she's dying. Like, she, her throat was just cut. And then she realizes, oh, this person just had, like, a bent knife and it had, a little, like, a, uh, a some blood that was coming out of it to make it look like that. Um, I heard that the original, there there is an alternate ending out there that involves, uh, like, the brother of Muffy, like, actually trying to kill her sister for that fortune or just to get the house. Um, which uh, it probably would have made it a, a pretty interesting film, but I, I do c- like the fact that it just kind of keeps that going. Where h- how how often how gullible are you uh, to and how often will you fall for these sorts of things? Um, so that 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 whole uh, game right there just made it, it is consistent and makes it fun even up to the final moments. 
Right. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a it's a fun way to end it, and I think like this movie works consistently just because of the ending. Like, I think if it wasn't for the ending, I don't know how much I would like it. But knowing how the film concludes, it's uh, it's good stuff. I enjoy I enjoy it. Yeah, even if there's like some things in there that don't make a lot of logical sense, uh, like one of the guys, like the guy that I talked about earlier about it uh, being the guy that gets smashed by the, in between the 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 boat and the the dock, he just gets smashed up against it and his whole eyes missing. Um, somehow he put on that makeup underwater. Um, so there's a lot of things that you just kind of have to roll with the punches. Um, so there'll be moments like that. Um, there, there'll be some really bizarre comments every now and then uh, with the script. Even though I said like a lot of it's pretty sharp, uh, it makes uh, a lot of the characters very enjoyable. You just like kind of like it's like a fun little hangout movie uh, with uh, some murdering going on. But um, one of the girls says something like, uh, Oh, where did this well come from? Did Pocahontas dig it? And then you're just like, what the <laughs> hell does that mean? Um, so they'll just, uh, you're going to have to forgive some areas. Luckily you don't have to forgive a lot. Um, because like I said, over and over the characters are great. Situations are cool. And then ultimately the big reveal at the end makes it, um, uh, puts uh solidifies it being like a very fun movie from beginning to end no i agree and so little background or a little trivia on the movie uh the film was shot over six weeks in uh vancouver and victoria and canada and they excuse me had a did you know fairly well in the theaters like it was it made its money back and then some quite a bit and i just think people take to this movie just because it's it's not your stereotypical slasher film there's just a little more to it and a little more tongue-in-cheek and fun to it so uh yeah i think i i i like this film is there anything else you want to add preston to april fool's day um, not really. What do you think about the score? So I have the original soundtrack on vinyl from uh, Varez Saraband, and it's, you know, I I like it for the fact that it's kind of like a half hour long of like some of the bigger musical cues in the movie, um, like opposed to like the main title when the title uh, comes up in the film, the credits. Other than that, it's kind of like you know these little musical sequences that happen in the movie that you know last uh a minute or two here and there or maybe a little less uh maybe sometimes like 30 seconds but i i I like that but other than that i don't think there's really a whole lot to the soundtrack like i don't think there's like a particular song or anything like that in the film that except for the ending song yeah except for the ending song uh but i don't think that actually made it to the actual soundtrack though yeah, pro- probably not. But uh, it's a, it's a banger of a of a song. I think it's uh, was it Mama told me not to come. I think it's by Randy Newman. <laughs> <laughs> and why would Randy Newman not want this on the soundtrack? Yeah, it's performed by Three Dog Night. Written music and lyrics by Randy Newman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention from a design perspective is I love the original poster. 
Um, if you get the Scream Factory edition, what's cool about those is it comes with a brand new design commissioned by uh, Scream Factory. And there are a lot of the artists that uh, also design stuff for Mondo. Um, the the Mondo vinyls that uh, vinyl records that we uh, cover. Um, but the original poster I love because it's just like the whole cast, all the nine college students like sitting at a fancy table while the person at the head of the table with a brunette hair has a braid that's made to look like a noose with a knife behind her back, which just totally captures the whole kind of tone of the movie where the other characters are kind of like laughing hysterically or having a good time while there's something sinister going on that you don't quite know about. Um, so uh, I just want to give a shout out to that poster because I, I, I love it. And so, yeah, if you have the Scream Factory edition, it comes with reversible art. So you can flip it to the other side and look at that pretty uh, poster design. For sure. I agree with that. Uh, it is an iconic movie poster that I still love. And this was uh, distributed by Paramount Pictures way back in 1986. Please seek this movie out. Buy it from Scream Factory. Buy the collector's edition of it. You won't be, uh, you won't be unsatisfied. In fact, you will be very satisfied with it. So, uh, yeah, take a look at April Fool's Day. Uh, I think that kind of rounds out our podcast this week. However, we will definitely be back next week with another horrifying, wonderfully tasty, deliciously gory My Bloody Podcast with Preston and myself. Maybe we'll have a special guest on. So, uh, yeah, we miss and love you. We hope you are all safe out there and pulling fun pranks on each other. <laughs> today as uh we are happy to do this episode on april fool's day so yes indeed preston uh where can everybody find you these days online you can find me on ditton that's d-e-n-t-o-n-r-c.com where i'm a film critic there um covering anything that's available digitally these days and uh, doing interviews and you can also find that some of that very same work over on freshfiction.tv where i'm the features editor posting uh my own content and content written by some of my close friends including uh, james cole clay good deal i like it and you can find me on boomstickcomics.com highdefdigest.com for blu-rays and 4k as well as Screen Rant for the current time top 10 lists of all sorts of fun things. And then, of course, YouTube at Brian Kluger, where you can see me making videos of reviews of records and movies and sneakers and all sorts of fun things. More to come on that soon for sure. But we love you. Please subscribe, listen, and follow my bloody podcast, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Preston, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and the only thing that's on my mind now is this Friday the 13th horror <laughs> porn that we gotta make. Expect some text, sir. All right. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. <laughs>